code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of October 2008. We always have newcomers listening into the show, so I advise them to go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and on that website you'll find lots of previous talks I've given, where I try to give you the histories leading up to this wonderful New World Order, and show you how long it's been in the planning by naming the big agencies and organizations that have been working steadily for the last few hundred years. Also look into alanwattsentinel.eu for transcripts, which you can download, print up, and pass around to your friends. And these are transcripts of the talks I've given, and you'll find them in the various languages of Europe. And just today, I was thinking about the enormity of this massive pyramid of organizations, this thousand points of light, as it's often referred to, which comprise the spearheading into the the New World Order. They're all specialized in different areas, but they all came out of the same original groups that were founded, really, in Britain, going as far back as the 1500s, then really taking off in the 1800s. We found that with the Fabian Society that, that was dedicated to creating a form of socialist type of world government, but not really not on behalf of the working people. It's so astonishing that many people who think that they are vote labor, they think that the Fabian Society is just a radical left-wing society. Nothing is further from the truth. It was founded by a bunch of very wealthy elitists who worked, some of them, for the propaganda departments of the British Crown, an idea was to bring in a socialized system to control the whole world, and they wanted to use the British Empire as a model, a base, for bringing all countries together with free trade. But they wanted also to have a planned society where the better people, you know, those with IQs and education and are dripping with ivy from the universities they go to, would dictate our lives with the people, an orderly society, and from them you also had edition of the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, which merged with the Lord Milner Foundation of roundtable debating societies, and together they all basically worked towards world government, and they also created the World Federalist Movement. It was called Association at one time. They call it now Movement. that has many specialized departments all working on different aspects of your life. And in fact, most topics that's now in the news, the the eco-friendly environmental stuff and all this kind of stuff, the Earth Summit, etc., they helped push and promote. And many of the members in the Rockefeller Foundation and others who all work towards this global agenda all network together with the world federalist movement. So look into it. You'll be astonished at the interweaving of all these big foundations that give us the popular topics and now remember, they are not democratically elected by anyone. 
their private, supposedly non-profit, non-political organizations, and they tell you the truth. They are not political. They don't play the game of politics. They create, in fact, policies. They tell you that. They all create policies for governments to follow. And because they're so incredibly wealthy, the big CEOs of these charitable foundations, they have the voice of government the world across, and they have no problem getting their articles into media. In fact, many of them in the media belong to these organizations and the Council on Foreign Relations, all woven together. And we're back with more on this mammoth giant running our lives after this break. Back in the 60s, I think it was, 
Norman Dodd was astonished to find the heads of these big foundations, these charitable foundations that churn out so much information through books and magazines, and even the ones who deal with the educational supply books were putting out all this stuff to seamlessly blend the Soviet system with that of the Western world in America. We're going through a planned agenda and as I say, the key is centralization, so much so that Karl Marx had telegraphed. Abraham Lincoln, at the end of the American Civil War, congratulating him and stating in the letter that he kept one of the main planks of centralization. Centralization is key to standardization of different cultures, different peoples, and giving the big stick to all the people under one central body of law and regulation. Well, we saw what happened to the European Union and the mess that that's created across Europe. It certainly has benefited uh, a few, very already very wealthy people, but the rest of the people suffer terribly, so much so that everything is controlled, including the prices of the food. There's no real competition. They fix the prices for everything. And dump food. They dump food in the channel. That is excess of butter or different things like sugar and so on. They dump it to keep the prices up. That's centralization. That's not helping the needy. That's not helping the poor. But then the street agenda was never about that, but they always use the poor as an excuse for what they're doing. They want to help us. Centralization is what Rome, ancient Rome, did thousands of years ago as they plundered across the planet for the few once again. And I've told people before, when you see the mainstream media parrot the same slogans and use the same terms, you're seeing a united front presented to the public because those opinions will become your opinions. And they've found out you need to hear them at least eight times before you start to repeat them. That's what the marketers found out years ago. And here's an article from theguardian.co.uk on this very topic. So I'm showing you one of these characters and how this stuff is promoted to the public. This guy here, in fact... This person I'm going to talk about here, who gives this article, is at least, I say he is at least the EU Trade Commissioner for the Economic Union. He is the Trade Commissioner, at least that. That's what he is. Because he, he'll be a member of all the other bodies I've mentioned at the beginning of the show as well. Guarantee you that. And the Royal Institute for International Affairs has a body for the European Affairs now, also set up. But this is his comment. This is from Peter Mandelson, The Guardian, Friday, October the 3rd, 2008. He said, We need another Bretton Woods to lessen the risks but keep the benefits of world financial markets. Now, I talked last week about Bretton Woods because that was the last time they made the big, big change to the global financial system. And what he's going to promote here, when we read from this, this article... He's promoting the whole New World Order agenda because part of it is economic. A big part of it is economic. 
because the economic clout is also to be used to control every single member of the public across the planet eventually. And that's why governments are getting in bed with bankers. You can't tell who is who anymore because governments eventually will give you so much credits per week to pay your basic necessities. That's what's to come, according to Lord Bertrand Russell, one of the prime planners, in fact, for this stage of it. So this is what Peter Mandelson says. We will look back on the banking crisis of September 2008 as a defining moment for economic globalization. It may have started in the U.S. mortgage market and on Wall Street, but through an integrated global economy, it has become an international problem. Whatever our response, we should be guided by two principles. First, we should not jettison our commitment to globalization. Second, a global economy needs global governance. Governance is the top of the term that all of these agencies I mentioned at the beginning of the show are told to use. Governance. What they really mean, you see, by governance is this system that's to come in is theoretically to resemble the Soviet system where big, powerful, non-governmental organizations will actually put forth all the, the parts of the agenda on behalf, supposedly, of the public. In other words, the public have no input whatsoever. That's what the new democracy is all about. Global governance. Globalization works by widening economic networks. It multiplies the sizes of markets, increases the economies of scale that push down prices, and allows countries to tap into sources of productive investment from around the world. These networks have created a global economic engine that is the biggest eliminator of poverty and creator of opportunity the world has ever seen, I'll add, for a few. The globalization transmits risk and volatility, or volatility as well as benefits. You got that spelled wrong. Sustaining the huge benefits of economic globalization relies on preserving these fundamental networks of interdependence. Interdependence. Remember that term again? He's popping up down through the centuries from the same big NGO foundational groups that run this show. Interdependence. We're locked together, in other words. So we can't back out, which collapse, you see, if we back out. That's why they set up this way. Not rolling them back. Changes to financial regulatory frameworks must tackle excessive risk while defending open trade and foreign investment as vital to development. Beyond ending the liquidity crisis, our first response should be to fix the source of the shock. We need to inject confidence by regulating to control excessive risk-taking and heavy leveraging and to improve the way rating agencies work. Well, you see, what it's going to do, too, is give teeth to the big council that was set up, the World Trade Organization, under the GATT Treaty, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs. And the World Trade Organization has a, a basically a court there where, where what they say goes is a star chamber. What they say is the final law, and there's no appeals or anything else. That's what they mean by that. They want to give it more teeth, just like they're giving the United Nations more teeth. They're building more teeth into the World Trade Organization to regulate all economy. It says here, European Commission is right now come forward with new European rules on these questions. Certain financial products have become so complex that they are not understood by the very institutions that buy and trade them. This is a regulatory 
and professional failure of the first order. Politicians need to recognize that national solutions are only half the solution. For years, financial markets have been global more than national, yet they operate with limited multilateral coordination or governance. Governance again, you see. Asset bubbles in one market can have serious consequences in another. The effects of monetary or currency policy are easily exported. Yet the machinery of global economic governance, the governance again, barely exists. Now, he goes on to talk about the need to set up penalties for organizations and businesses that break the laws that they wish to bring in. But you'll never find them bringing laws taking people like George Soros, who with two of his buddies manipulated the stock market and crashed the Bank of England and has never been charged with anything. I'll be back with more after this break. through the matrix I've been trying to point out that the centralization is never good for people you end up with masses of bureaucracy living on your back 24 hours a day and once you get into the world system and their new economic system it will be hell for the general public bureaucrats are notorious especially when you read the kind of characters that are involved in these big 1,000 points of light that I've talked about, they, they learn this odd language called bureaucraties that, that is so incredibly boring and legalistic, you're meant to fall asleep if you try and read it. And they can't help but have more and more meetings, and with their warped, strange minds, they always make it harder on the general public to, to eventually do anything in their lives, never mind run a business. Everything becomes so incredibly complex in Britain, for instance, the European Union uh, were debating, at least the bureaucrats were debating who should get the prime dibs at selling oak to the rest of the Union. And they said that British oak wasn't straight enough. The, the grain was too wavy, so they gave it to Germany. So that put people out, and out of work in Britain. And because you're only allowed a certain quota of fish every week, the Scots have to dump excess quotas at sea, dead fish, to satisfy the regulations. It's absolutely incredible what bureaucrats will do to the people. They'll literally bind you into extinction so you can't function anymore. And these are the types of organizations that are pushing and spearheading us into this brave new world. Now, many of the people who deal in the bureaucratic sides of this thing the real, true, dedicated people who come from the lower ranks are basically psychotic. I, I'm not kidding about that. They're psychotic-type people who get a fixed false belief, and something grabs their attention. They do like the idea of power over others, and they join these groups, and they're dedicated lifelong towards these groups and their agendas. They promote them heavily. These are the characters that end up making all these strange rules that bind you till you, till you cannot move. But there's always so much more to it because at the top of it, of course, are very intelligent people who live very long lives and they have very old families and they've run the banking industries 
and most countries in the world for many, many centuries. They understand the reality of economics and the conology, you know, the art of conning uh, that goes along with it. And you train a whole world not to be self-sufficient or individualistic. You train a world to be like a herd and to use something called money. And when money stops flowing, you starve to death because you don't know how to plant or how to hunt or anything else. That's the key of making people helpless. These these characters understood this thousands of years ago, the science of it. Anything introduced into society in the way of technology will alter society. In fact, one definition of technology is something introduced into society which, which alters reality. Alters reality. And it certainly does. You think of the things we've had recently, apart from the television set that dumbed us all down, made us all very stupid. You think of all the things that science has given you, like the birth control pill, and then you have today's society. So at one time, you simply couldn't go out and uh, rummage around, as you do today, because there was a fallout to it today. It's, it's just incredible the whole society has changed. And this was known to happen and planned to happen. So that which is introduced into the environment will alter your behavior. Simple as that. And money did that thousands of years ago. We are trained, to say, to depend on it. And if you are not in control of it, which none of us are, and someone else is, then they are in control of you. It's very, very simple. And here's what they really think of you. It says, Herd Mentality Rules in Financial Crisis by Maggie Fox, the health and science editor. And that was on Yahoo News. It says, Washington, it's also in Reuters, which is on the belief by the Rothschilds. Herd Mentality Rules During a Financial Crisis Because People Are Wired to follow the crowd. No kidding. When times are uncertain, experts say, you know those experts again. Brain and behavior studies clearly show that when information is scarce and threats seem imminent, people often stop listening to their own logic and look to see what others are doing. Well, Jack C. Lull said that about 50 years ago. If you, know, if you want to know what you want, just look at other people because that's what you want, what they want. See? We don't trust ourselves. We're not taught to trust ourselves. He says people are afraid, and the reason they're afraid is there's tremendous uncertainty right now in the markets. Gregory Burns, a neuroeconomist. You have neuroeconomists, I hope you know that, at Emory University in Atlanta, who studies the biology of economic behavior. That's what he said in a telephone interview. Burns puts people in magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI scanners, while he tests the responses to various scenarios and studies patterns of their brain activation. One clear pattern, the brain's fear center lights up when people are uncertain. Well, gee, this guy's a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. Their fear center lights up when people are uncertain. Have you looked at the media recently as they create this massive panic, as they're told to create this panic? Believe you me, if they didn't want you to panic, they'd be telling you everything was fine. It's astonishing. So we react the way we're supposed to react, at least most folks do. Don't be like the rest of the people. I'll be back with more after these messages.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting to the Matrix. Reading an article by Gregory Burns, who is a neuroeconomist at Emory University in Atlanta, who uses the MRI scanners and test people's responses under fear situations. And he says here that people are presented with a situation where they don't have information or the information is ambiguous. We see activation of the amygdala and insula, Bernd said in a telephone interview. He says, and people begin to doubt their own judgment. Well, that's why they give us experts, you see. We're trained this way. Bernd's team did an experiment in which they recruited actors and true volunteers. One real subject went into a an MRI scanner, he said. They were asked to do a simple task, such as assessing shapes. We had the group of actors to tell them the wrong answer, sometimes Burns said. The volunteers began to change their answers to match what the group said. Perhaps they were merely overriding their own judgments for the sake of getting along, Burns said, but the scanner suggested another explanation. And you see, they teach them in school the same way with groupthink until you all conform to the group. And it's all a scientific technique, it's understood. Running with the herd, the group changes how you see the world in some way, he said. Our brains are really wired to accept the group opinion of the world. God help us all. He says, in this case, running with the herd may not make good sense, said Paul Zak of the Center for Neuroeconomics Studies at Claremont Graduate University in California. This is the sort of herd mentality overreaction, Zach said in a telephone interview. Do you notice they're all calling us herds now in universities? The, the medical profession called herds and herd immunity, and they're using the same, th- same thing in economics. He says, one of my colleagues actually pulled his money out of Washington Mutual a few weeks ago. He ought to know better. The U.S. government has taken over mortgage finance companies Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Lehman Brothers Holdings Incorporated has gone bankrupt. Giant Savings and Loan, Washington Mutual failed, and the Bank of America Corps bought Merrill Lynch and Co. Incorporated. The U.S. House of Representatives rejected us. Well, that was before they rejected the $700 billion, which they knew they were going to put through a couple of days later. But anyway, he ends his article by saying that he knows what he's doing. He's buying stocks. But what he's not telling you is he'll know which ones to buy because he's in with the big boys, you see. The rest of it is just a casino for everyone down below. That's the reality of the world. And before going to the callers, people should look into another big agency, a big foundation, a big charitable foundation, and you'll find they're completely interlinked with all the other foundations I've mentioned. And their job, their speciality, is to help convince the world that we should basically bring down our population. And they go into both voluntary and they hint at involuntary means as well. On the website, it says, what is the optimum population trust? They have this organization which started in Britain, but they have branches across the planet now. The optimum population trust is a leading think tank in the UK concerned with the impact of population growth on the environment. This is a private organization. OPT research covers population in relation to climate change, energy resources, biodiversity, development impacts, aging and employment, and other environmental and economic issues. 
It campaigns for stabilization and gradual population decrease globally and in the UK. OPT is a registered charity. This charity, this wonderful pie-baking charity, is all about reducing the population uh, because they don't like it too much, especially since there's too many of the lower-class masses. Look into it and you'll find they're completely integrated with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the World Federalists Movement, and all the other big movements that spearhead and lead us all into this great big sheep pen that we hope doesn't turn out to be the slaughterhouse. Very interesting sites to go through. And look at all the people who are sponsoring it, all the big foundations that back it, and all the governments, too, that put money into it and into the World Federalist Movement. You know, Canada donates to the World Federalist Movement. They, they give our tax money to them, too. It's astonishing. Meanwhile, they, they ask us to elect them as a national government while they're, the government itself is pushing global governance. Quite something. And the public are oblivious to get caught up in the and these farcical issues such as elections. So we'll go to the phones now, and we've got John from Texas on the line. Are you there, John? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I need to ask a question. Um, I'm wondering with the economy the way it is, what does it mean by uh, when they're telling people to uh, that the to all the goods and services are going to really go up in price? And I'm trying to understand that part of it um, because, uh, you know, they're saying that a lot of the, the food, or well, I know the food's going to get taken away or, or regulated, but they're saying, like, all the, pretty much everything else is going to go up in prices, and I'm wondering why. Like, why is that happening? And how are they well, doing that? Well, why it's happening is because it's planned to happen. You, you, they plan a war. This war is a war on the world. And even though the U.S. is funding most of the war um, on many levels, societal levels and spearheading it towards global government uh, they have to create a war scenario and food rationing etc is part of it inflation is part of it but you also find a lot of people in the stock markets cash in on it as well and jack up all their prices under the same guise mm. they are however um, having trouble with creditors on green imports into the US apparently a lot of stuff is ready to start rotting at the docks so you're seeing a planned takedown, a planned crisis. This is all planned. The guys at the top don't make these kind of mistakes. And uh, they have to get a war scenario going for 100 years. And because during a war scenario, it's not meant that you understand what's really happening. It's simply meant that you react to what's happening and do as you're told. We obey our governments during war scenarios. So you have food rationing. You have high cost of living. You, and at the end of it all, they hope to bring out a new world society where you will have no private property anyway and governments will dish out uh, credits to you in lieu of money uh, and you'll be able to pay rent. They won't have private property. They've said that at Agenda 21. There's to be no private property in the coming habitat areas of the future. So don't try and make sense out of it. It's simply planned this way to get us all panicking uh, so that we'll ask government, please help us, and they'll come forward and say, well, we've already taken your liberties from you. Now you must allow us to run your lives, including population control and everything that goes with it. This is the whole agenda coming, coming down right now. I have one more quick question because I know there's probably a lot of callers. Um, like you said before, when the corporations are running 
all the world's governments. Why don't I remember um, I was reading something about how other countries found out about the, uh, um, um, I guess, the organizations that were in the past uh, trying to run their countries, and they ran them out. Mm-hmm. Um, why can't the government for today, if someone, if I have a government and someone's trying to come into my government, why can't I just turn my force against the bankers and, and root them out and force them out of my city? Now, I know some countries probably tried that this while our forces are over there, but what about just turning those forces against them? The bankers don't have any armies. I mean, all they have is they money. Don't you see, the, the bankers technically own the world already. Um, every... Every president, every prime minister on the planet goes to the world bankers to borrow money every year. And the bankers lay down the conditions of how you repay it, um, what changes to make in your country in order that you can repay it, and the populations will pay up more taxes and so on. That's what the International Monetary Fund was set up to do uh, when countries can't make the payments like Britain uh, during Margaret Thatcher's reign. The IMF comes in, and technically they run the government during that reign until the money is paid back. So the bankers already have the power. You're looking at the big foundations, as I say. You'll find the bankers often head these foundations. Uh, They also are the head of the big pharmaceutical agencies because bankers also own pharmaceuticals all down through history, the money and pharmaceutical agencies, and they they also own most of the world's commerce supply routes and so on, the big corporations that bring food back and forth, essential goods. So they have us over a barrel. We live in their system, you understand. Mm -hmm. And what they're after now is uh, really simply a global society centralized across the planet where it's much easier for them to have total control over everyone. That's really where we're going. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Now you've got uh, Ryan in New York. Are you there, Ryan? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, I just wanted to talk about uh, what I perceive to be new normals going on around here. Uh, we got on notice that they were going to spray us for mosquitoes. Yeah. And um, uh, they're spraying from the air and they're spraying from vans. And mm-hmm. no one seems to be complaining about being sprayed from vans. No. No. So um, that's only going to escalate. And yet, like you said, even if it's talcum powder, yeah, it's uh, you know. Yeah, this so is the key, key to the. the see, the public, uh, Brzezinski said, um, they won't react to anything unless the media tells them to. I mean, look at them panicking over the money simply because the media is driving them in a to stampede to terrify them. But things like if the media doesn't uh, say, be very careful, be very worried about this, then the public will not be. They cannot think for themselves. That is a fact, unfortunately. It's happened with the majority of people. Because you live in a collective society, not an individualistic society, uh, they don't try, again, they don't trust their own intuitions or their own observations. Yeah, you'll even hear, like, at the supermarket that, uh, like, so-and-so's soccer game was canceled because they're spraying, and then someone will go, oh, yeah, I saw one of the vans. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, not a big deal, you know? No, uh, they could be spraying cyanide, and, and uh, you know, they'd be dropping dead, and they probably wouldn't react to it. It's, it's, things have got that bad, and I'm not kidding. Oh, uh, I know. The, the public already, um, you, have a, you have a generation who's grown up who literally cannot use their own observations. They have no powers of reason, and they do trust the, what they think are those above them 
to warn them of what will harm them. They, they really believe they'll be told, like children. They truly are like children now. And it's a sad state of affairs, but this was done intentionally. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what the uh, bigger, you know, the bigger objective is to uh, mm-hmm. creating a new man over ages. Well, they do. They're, they're, they're very honest about it. They're, they were bring down the population by any means possible. And you just need to look at the, the facts, the statistics, to, to see that they've been doing it already when most of us in the West supposedly are going sterile. That's not by chance. That falls in line with the agenda. Something is causing it. They know what's causing it. And they don't make a crisis out of it. That's another clue, because uh, technically there should be a crisis with the male in the West um, being down to by 75%. It's only 25% sterile right now. Uh, yeah. So that should be crisis, but they make no big deal out of it. That tells you it's planned this way. This is this, through the food, through the inoculations, and even through the plastic uh, bottles and so on that's been used, the lining of cans for beer and all that, um, just happens to, to destroy. It has to create genetic changes in the testes of male. Yeah. Oh, you mean guys will just be thrilled to find out that they won't impregnate women anyway. I know. I know, you see, again, that the society, the old society, was, that was one of the main planks, was the destruction of the family, and they meant by that bonding as well, permanent bonding. And if you don't bond, then you don't need children, you see, so therefore, no children, lots of sex, and no one really cares. And the whole culture industry, the toxic culture industry that I read about last week from one of the military's own papers is to be used as a weapon in other countries. Unfortunately, we're contaminated technically. That's the term that's used even the communists used it, when you've been contaminated, totally contaminated with an idealistic way of living, uh, regardless of what it is, uh, then you're now contaminated. You cannot turn back. So it's, it's the destruction of society as we know it. Yeah, yeah well, once the, the family um, is pretty gone, and yeah. that's the, you know, once the family's gone, they'll be the only secret society left, because the family can kind of be like a secret, you know. Yes, and they can stand for each other, with each other, and that was also part of the, of the agenda, was to kick in social agencies that would then take over responsibilities that families used to have with helping each other and so on. And now you're at the mercy of these agencies, which are now authorities. And uh, we are in a mess. This, is, this has been a long-term agenda. We're living through uh, the latter part of it. And chaos is coming. They know at the top it is coming. They're planning to bring it on. Yeah. And have also planned to deal with it, unfortunately. And we have a dumb, stupefied public who are stuck on television, sports, and and uh, movies and dramas who cannot tell fact from fiction anymore. Uh, their, their IQ has dropped enormously. Um, their bodies are misshapen because of all the food they've been eating, the types of food they've been given. They cannot synthesize uh, the, the artificial synthetic type uh, oils, etc., that have been substituted for real ones. And we're seeing the effects of it. So you're seeing literally this, the, the, the end product of a long-term war on the people. And it's in the streets now. Yeah, yeah it's weird. I mean, they could just do it all. They just could just finish it up in a few days. But it's weird yeah. how the seance must continue. Well, they still need the young way. to come up. You see, the young will stay fit till about the age of 25. And they still need them to help pull off the, as the global policeman for quite some time yet. And so they'll keep us uh, going and take the young off to do just that. That's part of it, too. Yeah. And like you said, the young will question us and then wrap us out. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, take care, Alan. You too. Thanks for calling. And I've got uh, Derek in Montreal. Are you there, Derek? Hello, Al. Hello. Hello, Al. Hi, 
I've got, um, I'm looking at something right here, right now I'm reading, if you allow me to. It's called the Flu Mist. It's a popular over-the-counter live flu vaccine being sold across the counter in the United States. I've checked in Canada. It hasn't been permitted to be sold yet. Basically, it's a flu mist vaccine, but it's, it has another strain of the avian flu, which will cause people or cause the flu to go pandemic. And they're, they're encouraging people to spray it into children's noses in the United States. Now, now I heard you saying that they want to save the children for, I don't believe they're going to save anybody. I actually, I don't want to contradict you, but they're putting, they're spraying, they're causing this vax, this flu mist, which can be found on the internet, and it's a DNA marker, H5N1. Now, I'm not a chemist, but it's apparently, um, it's what I said it is, uh, if, if it is true or not. Now, here's another thing, my friend. Now, hold on, though. I don't think it is true because the U.S. has just stated recently they've got 250 million doses to give to the general public, and I believe it's in an injectable form. So I can't see that stuff being sold over the counter. Well, it is. You can find it yourself. It's, it's, it's advertised everywhere in the United States and Walmart. It's a spray mist that you can get across the counter. I just checked it myself. And um, it's in the United States only, not Canada, though, okay? And um, now, believe it or not, there's so much that is impossible to believe. But at the same time, what is the Army stationing the uh, combat team uh, for, 30, for 35 of the last six months? They were in Iraq. It's, the, um, it's called the Service Component of the North Command. It's in the United States right now. I read that whole article about three weeks ago. So uh, I'll be back back with more after after this break here. Hi, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, and we'll go to Chris from Kentucky. Are you there, Chris? Um, Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I, I was just listening to the last conversation, and uh, it kind of struck me because I've been, you, when you were talking about the, uh, uh, the spraying, I guess, in neighborhoods they're doing now with pesticides, I kind of caught the tail end of it. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, that was two colors ago, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was two ago. Um, but... Uh, because I've been hearing people talking about that, you know, saying that they're coming through their neighborhoods. I haven't seen it myself, you know, here in Louisville, Kentucky. But mm-hmm. um, the funny thing is that I, I was teaching English over in uh, South Korea uh, from, like, 1999 all the way to, I guess I came back, uh, well, just last November. But, uh, it, you know, I can remember when I went over there, it was so weird to see they would bring these big trucks down the streets, you know, and this big fog was behind them as they were Spraying everything in sight for mosquitoes, mm-hmm. or that's what they were saying it was. But uh, you know, to come back to America now and actually see that it's apparently happening here too. Yeah. Um, you know, among all kinds of other changes that you see, they're just so bizarre. It's just incredible. Yes. Um, I don't know. It's, I think it really, you know, going abroad like that and then coming back, the things you see, you really know. You know, you're really more aware of the changes that have happened. How bizarre it really is. Yes, it's but, what uh, I'm saying. It's global now. Everything's the same across the world. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh man. 
And, you know, that, that's another thing. Like, when I was over there, just, just the amount of change that has come into, you know, Korea in, those, in that short time has just been staggering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just to give, like, one example, the uh, 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 women, you know, that like you're, you're always talking about the gender wars and everything, and, and you could just see it coming in, you know, as they, they were just, you know, lapping up all the, you know, all the new Western magazines are starting to come in, you know, yeah. uh, GQ, all the women's magazines. The and toxic culture, the, the weaponization of culture is being spread abroad, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it was, and yet you have, you don't see it so much now, but like when I first went there, there, there was a pretty heavy backlash. Yes. And, you know, you'd hear people here and there kind of foaming at the mouth. It was usually men. You wouldn't hear the women complaining too much. No. No. <laughs> no. But, uh, and of course, you know, as a as a man being over there, it wasn't too bad because all the Korean women loved the Western guys, you know, because a ticket to America or That's you right. know, ticket to the modern world, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just falls right in line, I think, with what you were saying there. But uh, oh, by the way, do you know are there are any real women in the world these days? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the definition keeps changing, and I can't keep up with it. <laughs> and, and I was going to transhumanism, so it's going to be very difficult to know uh, even what species it is eventually. So uh, that, that's how bad it's going to get, yeah. I know. Uh, I'm sorry to laugh at it, but it's just so bizarre. I can't help it. It's just weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, see it all. But, but, oh, I'm sorry. But thanks for calling anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye now. Now, uh, Nick from Toronto. Are you there, Nick? Hello? Hey. Hey, how's it going? Not so bad. Uh, so my question was uh, related to one of the previous callers uh, about kind of how the elites uh, protect themselves from this whole system. Uh, and I, my question was directly related to chemtrails. And, uh, you know, the people behind this, obviously, um, kind of what bogged with my mind is how they protect themselves. And, you know, you go around and read on these. I'll, I'll tell no- you. Uh, this would have to take a while to explain, but I've explained it before, and I'll do that maybe on the next show, because um, the, the show is ending right now. I hear the music coming up. So from Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, as good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.